How can you not be romantic about baseball? Bringing a high drive to left. This baby's way back. It is out of here. I don't believe what I just saw. Coswell slashes one foul. Oh, that hit a bird, and it bounces back into fair territory. Oh, I got to I got to check the rule book on this one, folks. I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. Our ass is in the jackpot now. You're listening to Booze and Baseball. There's 50 feet of crap. And then there's us. A baseball first podcast, sort of, featuring Derek Johnson. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And Dusty Baker. I heard that. Dynamite drop-in money. That broadcast school has really paid off. So sit back and enjoy the talk around the diamonds with a cold one in hand. Today's secret ingredient is beer! I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Hello and welcome into another edition of Boost in Baseball, episode number 52 with Dusty Baker. I am Derek Johnson. Our throw it back stat of the day or week or whatever you want to call it is to Thursday when Ronald Acuna returned to the game, which is exciting news. He got a hit. He recorded two steals. So uh, just kind of picking off right where he, he or picking up right where he left off. And I think the steals specifically for a guy coming off an ACL injury like that, that's a very big deal. And uh, that's really good to see. Derek, how did you find that stat? I It was the hardest one I've ever dug up. That was impressive. That, Derek usually digs and finds these incredible ones. So I, I think this is the most impressive one that you found. No, no, it's really good to see Acuna back. I'm, I'm happy to see a, a superstar in our game. He's one of those that's transforming the game. He's helping build the game as well. He's the kind of guy you need out on the field. And uh, especially with NFL draft season coming along, seeing young guys come up. Uh, this is a cool time for baseball. We need the young talent like Acuna to be out on the field. Okay, so. At the time of recording and where we're recording, I'm actually at work right now. I got stuck at work. I'm drinking a massive handle of vodka here. No, I, I, no. I, wish, only, I only wish I could. Uh, unfortunately, I will be drinking only water. It is ice water, if you would like to know that. But, Derek, mm. you are not at work right now. What are you drinking? Yeah, so you've had a mango cart before, correct? Yeah, I had one last week at the Dodger game, actually. Okay, well, from the craters of Golden Road Brewing, is a melon cart. Oh, wow. Okay. I've never heard of that. That's awesome. Got a nice crack right there. Okay. I need the review. Honest review. It's good. So it's, it's, it says it's a watermelon wheat ale with notes of honeydew and cantaloupe. And when you first drink it, you taste it. This is actually very interesting because I'm like tasting everything. You taste the watermelon white right when you, you drink it. And then the kind of honeydew comes in and the cantaloupe finishes it out. It's weird because it like it literally comes in a pattern like that. It's very good. It's refreshing. This feels like a great summer beer. If you had not read those words, do you think you still would have at least like noted that? Like, would you have thought in your head, okay, this is what I'm tasting. Then it goes to this. Now I have the honeydew and the cantaloupe. Like, would you have thought that or because you read that, it kind of added to that? maybe the the honeydew and the cantaloupe's a little lighter, but you can definitely taste the watermelon at the beginning. Um, it's Man, good, though. I would recommend it. You get it at the grocery store? 
Yeah, uh, they just have like little uh, mixed match six packs at the grocery store. Just picked one up, said, "Oh, I haven't had that before. Let's give it a try on B and B." And here I, we are. I like it. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a good one. Okay, cool. So, I, uh, I I like that. That is one uh, I'm gonna have to spy on. We're gonna play a fun game today. It's water or vodka. I don't know if you ever did this in you know your college days, but um, I remember uh, sometimes we would do like uh, you know it's like beer pong, but you do water pong. And so all the cups are filled with water. But what we would do is we would have a couple of them. You, you would designate however many you want to do, maybe two, maybe four, whatever it is. For each side would be filled with vodka as opposed to water. And so if you made the cup, the person would have to, you know, drink the water. Um, but if it was or, you know, if it's water, we just, you just leave it. But if it was the vodka one, you'd have to drink it. So you didn't know right when they hit the cup. But as soon as you grab it and pull it up closer to your face, you could smell it right away. And you're just going, oh, no, why did it have to be that one? Right. So, um, in a in a sense, the game we're going to do here is comparing two things. And you're going to say which one is the water and which one is the vodka. So the vodka is the one that's real. The vodka is the one that, uh, you know, you're buying more into. It's the one that's coming stronger at you. The water is the one that's the decoy. The water is the one that maybe is more fake, if that makes sense. I I like this a lot. Uh, It brings me back to both good days and not so good days. I uh, once had to play British Pong. The only thing was it wasn't water and vodka. It was just vodka. And my partner didn't want to drink. So I drank only vodka playing British Pong. That is how they play. They fill only vodka. But I did for my birthday. uh, Shout out to the Mark in San Luis Obispo, California. They do a row of six shots. And I mean, you still have to drink them one way or another. But three are water, three are vodka. And they mix them up, they match them up. So do you just do it in a line? Well, maybe they could go three vodkas in a row and three waters in a row. So you could basically pick and choose your poison. Knowing what's ahead of you, I just straight up said, I'm just going to go one at a time. And sure enough, the guy, the bartender put two shots of vodka, then like three three shots of water and ended me with vodka. So it was starting painful and ending painful. I do not recommend anytime they put it in that order, never drink it that way because they're setting you up for failure. (laughs) All right, so our first one, water or vodka. Eric Hosmer leading the NL in batting average, which he currently is doing at 415. Or Owen Miller leading the AL in batting average. He's currently doing that at 409. Which of those is vodka? Which of those is water? As much as I would love to say that Owen Miller is vodka because I own him in fantasy baseball, I'm going to say he is the water and Hosmer is the vodka. I think that Hosmer... First of all, he has the track record, Um, a guy that at one point in this league actually did succeed. He's won a World Series. He has hit for average in the past. He also is smashing the baseball at a rapid rate currently. Owen Miller did that at the start of the year, then was placed on the IL and has not looked the same since then. So uh, because of that in mind, I'm going to have to lean towards Hosmer being the vodka. Owen Miller, regrettably for me, is the water. See, okay, I, I'm leaning toward or toward uh, Owen Miller, and I, I don't really know if this is a good reason why, but it's just that we have a like bigger track record on Eric Hosmer uh, for me to say that is he really going to like you know lead the – because we have to essentially pick here which one has a better chance of leading their league in average. But I guess the track record on Hosmer, even though there has been flaws and, and maybe flaws of power and everything, is that he still does have a 280 career average. Um over the course of his career, he his launch angle on average is only 3.3 degrees, and that's always been a, a big slight against him. And 
something that people always talk about, but it's up to six degrees right now and he's hitting the ball really hard. And when he isn't hitting the ball really hard and into the ground, like that is obviously very helpful. Um, but I, I just, I feel like that's going to revert eventually. So I'll just go Owen Miller just out of the blue, just hitting like three thirty or something random. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like honestly, I'll take that. Water. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll okay. take the, the three thirty. <laughs> Yeah, the next is a couple of young stud pitchers. Alec Manoa's start, he's 4-0 with a 1-4-4 ERA, or Logan Gilbert's start, he's 3-0 with a 0.4 ERA. Those is, is more water, and which of those is more vodka? I'm going to have to go, vodka is Alec Manoa, and it's nothing against Logan Gilbert. Gilbert's start has been incredibly impressive. Young prospects, guy that we really thought was going to be a special talent. He's showing he is. But Manoa last year showed this, and I think that just based off the fact that we have more record on him and the league has more of a footprint on him and he's still doing this, it is pretty amazing to me. He's going deep in ball games. He shut down the Yankees already on the road before. Um, he, he's found ways to beat the toughest talent in arguably the toughest division to pitch in. So I think that just from a long-term standpoint, you know, you're going to get solid starts from both these guys moving forward for a very long time. But I just think the guy I trust more right now to keep this going is Manoa because of just simply, you know, we have more record on him. Uh, yeah, I'm leaning Manoa as well. I, I like both pitchers a lot. Gilbert has been better at uh, avoiding walks early on in the season, but Manoa has gotten a, a much better uh, rate of swings and misses and chase rate and stuff. And I will say the one thing that, that goes Gilbert's way is just being in that division, um, the AL West over being in the AL East with all those you know, high-hitting teams. Like that absolutely helps uh, Logan Gilbert. But yeah, I – I would say of the two, like I would, I would give the vodka to Alec Manoa, the water to Logan Gilbert. Whereas the first one we did with Hosmer and Miller, though, technically, if, if we had to assign to each one, it'd be water. Whereas in this one, it'd probably be vodka for both. Okay. The next one, Ty France or CJ Crone finishing top 10 in MVP voting. Which one of those would be water for that? And which one would be vodka? Oh, this is a tough one. Um, I'm going to have to say Ty France is the vodka and CJ Crone is the water. And the reason why, and once again, it kind of goes back to both could theoretically be vodka. CJ Crone is going to thrive for 81 games this season at home. And he looks just the part as well. He had a rocket start to the season, but over the last week on the road, he's five of 27. It's a 185 average. He's slugging 370. So that leads me to believe that maybe the pop is really just Coors Fielder bust. And for Ty France, there has been no sort of sign of slowing down in the last week, last month for that matter. I'll give you the difference here. In the last 30 days for Ty France, so in this entire season, if you will, he's got five home runs, 365 average. The on-base percentage, that's the telling uh, telling tale for Ty France. He's 442 for the last 30 days. Okay, the last 14 days, that on-base percentage, 481. Okay, the last week, guess what, Derek? It's 464. He's keeping this consistent. Okay, it's not something that he's streaky, had one really great week, and so on and so forth. He's been hitting incredibly well throughout the entire start of the season. And on top of that, the Mariners have a better chance, I think, at reaching the playoffs than those nice Rockies that we always talk about have a chance to. And I think because of that, that's only going to add to his stock. 
Yeah, you could also make the case though that CJ Crone, if if he leads the Rockies to be you know relevant in the playoff picture and they can even fight for a, a wild card, and he, he had a 905 OPS last year. So what if he goes for like a 950 OPS, which is kind of what he's around this year and hits you know 35 home runs with 100 runs. Would lean Crone in that situation, but you know I'm a big Ty France guy, so uh, I'll go Ty France there for my uh, vodka and CJ Crone for the water. Uh, number four, Carlos Rodon start or Kevin Gossman start. So Kevin Gossman, the Giants let him walk. He's been really, really good with the Toronto Blue Jays so far. They went out and got Carlos Rodon, and he's been really, really good for the Giants so far. So which of those two starts would you, if you had to pick one to be vodka and one to be water? I'm going to go with – man, both have been pitching so well, but Rodon has just been completely dominant. And pitching in San Francisco – there's something to be said about that ballpark pitching on a winning team that, you know, both, both of these are winning teams for that matter. Um, but I think that San Francisco has proven that they can win a lot of these close games. He's going to rack up the wins, the strikeouts, that whip is low. If he can stay healthy, that's really the only question mark with him at this point moving forward because he looks completely dominant. Kevin Gosman, he is pitching in a division where it's going to heat up and that makes me kind of concerned because that whip over one, maybe that will punish him a little bit more towards the latter half of the season when the ball may fly a little bit further. Uh, that's something to be concerned about. At the end of the day, I mean, we're literally nitpicking here. So, you know, between these two studs, I'm going to pick the guy that I trust just a little more. And uh, it's vodka for both, but one is more vodka. It's a hundred percent. We're talking ever clear. That is Carlos Rodon. I'm actually going to go Kevin Gossman. Um, the thing with Rodon that scares me is that he's had a bad injury history, and I feel like there is just an inevitable injury that is going to come at some point. With Kevin Gossman, dude, he has zero walks that he has had so far. 33 strikeouts to zero walks. Absolutely remarkable stuff there. I don't know what the Blue Jays are doing with their pitching coach, but like, think about it. They took a guy in Robbie Ray who walked everyone. And he turned him into a Cy Young, a guy that didn't walk a ton of guys, didn't have a command issue. Gossman wasn't a guy who had really a command issue in the past, but now you're taking him even further with zero walks to 33 strikeouts. He hasn't given up a home run yet. His FIP is 0.55. Uh, Kevin Gossman has been freaking awesome so far. So I, I, I probably lean Gossman, but you're right. Both those guys are, are vodka. Uh, LA Angels are 13 and seven to start Minnesota twins are 11 and eight. Both of them are leading their divisions in the central and the West. Um, so which of those do you think is vodka and which is water? Uh, I'm going to go with the Minnesota twins being vodka and the LA angels are water. I, you know, the angels lineup looks like it's more complete than it ever has been before. So I can't uh, stop, but admire that from them. But I still am worried about the depth of the pitching moving forward. I think that's still going to be the bane of their existence and uh, probably the reason why I, I still think that they're not going to finish in first place in that division. But the Twins, you have to keep this in mind, Byron Buxton was out for a few of those games as well. And the moment that that guy comes back, the magic comes back as well. The White Sox are trending in the complete wrong direction right now. As for the division for the Angels, they're – playing in a division that still has a pretty decent Astros team and I think a really good Mariners team. So I think the competition's better for the Angels. I think that for the Twins, I, I mean, Byron Buxton could have an MVP-type season this year, the way that he's been playing. 
I'm going to say the vodka goes to the Twins. Yeah, so I agree with you there. And it's funny because if you were just saying like, oh, if like what team do you like better? I actually like the Angels better than the Twins. But to what you were saying, like the Central is much more of a wasteland than the West is. And and I don't really trust the over the course of the season, the Angels starting pitching. Um, you know, I, I like Shohei Otani, but Noah Syndergaard is a, a guy that like how many innings are you going to really count on him? Um, I don't know. Patrick Sandoval has been good to start, but he's going to give up runs eventually. Uh, Jose Suarez and, you know, Reed Detmers who has struggled. Michael Lorenzen has been good. But again, like how long is that going to continue? I, I don't love the starting pitching for them. And I, I don't love the Twins starting pitching either, to be clear. But I think they have a little bit more depth in the lineup. I think they do have a little bit more from the pitching side of things. And again, because of the fact that they are in the central, that's the big difference. If you swapped what divisions there and I would take the Angels. But because of that, I'll go uh, Minnesota. Better third baseman, Manny Machado or Nolan Arenado? Who would get the vodka and who would get the water? Manny Machado is the better third baseman. I think from a fantasy perspective and a real-life perspective as well. You know, both play great defense. I think you look at the ages. Uh, Machado is younger. Uh, the production over the last month has been insane. Machado's done it more single-handedly. Arenado is surrounded by some pretty dang good bats in that lineup, and, and it's a very healthy lineup now. Granted, that lineup has not produced the way that it normally does. You've seen Tyler O'Neill kind of drop off a little bit. But uh, truly, Arenado had a really great first week. He's still hitting incredibly well, by the way. This is nothing against him. I mean, we're talking about two of probably the, the hottest hitters in all of baseball right now. But in terms of which one I buy for the long run, both this year for years to come, I just think that Manny Machado is my answer because – if he's doing this now, imagine what he's going to do once Tatis hits the lineup again in the second half of the season. It's Machado for me. Yeah, I, I will say tip of the cap to uh, Nolan Arenado for how well he has started this season. He's in 382. He has a league-leading OPS so far this season. Um, but his Babbitt right now is 420. Um, that is going to go down. His career average is at 294. Um, last year was at 249 year before it was 241. So I, I do think maybe he's getting a little bit luckier on, on some of the swings in years. Um, and he's really good. Uh, both guys can really show it, uh, with the glove as well, which is, uh, I think important, but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of leaning Manny Machado there as well, but you can't go wrong either way. Uh, Boston's rough start at eight and 12 or the Chicago White Sox rough start at seven 11. So I guess whoever you give the vodka to here, it means you're more buying that they are not that good. This is a really hard one because if you tuned into any of our podcast, you would note that these two were my division. You know, I, I had the White Sox winning their division and I had the Red Sox making a fairly deep run once again in the playoffs both which weren't at the start of the year shocking things to say because you saw the Red Sox make it to the final four, if you will. Um, with that being said, the team that I guess with the vodka, I am truly not buying as much. It is properly Boston. Um, I think the White Sox have gotten really unlucky with injuries uh, just across the board. I mean, you've seen their rotation get depleted with injuries. Luis Robert hasn't been healthy really for any of the season. Eloy Jimenez hits the IL as well. It's been kind of a rough start for the White Sox in that sense. The Red Sox, quite frankly, it's just been production. They haven't been producing at a high level the way that, you know, maybe you would expect that they could. Uh, they've had some glimpses that may be positive, but overall, I just don't know if I buy the pitching anymore. I still want to believe in this team because 
you have the names that uh, of guys that have won in the past. You've names of superstars all across that lineup, but something's not working out correctly. And, and it's hard to put a finger on exactly what isn't working. Is it, uh, you know, the production at the top of the order. Trevor Story has been awful at the start of that lineup. Kike Hernandez was terrible before him. It's hard to figure out. And for the White Sox, they just don't have their guys in. You know, they, they didn't have a healthy A.J. Pollock after the second game of the season. So I'm going to give the White Sox a bit of a mulligan here. And, and one thing I want to keep in mind here, last year we did something similar to this. And we talked about the Atlanta Braves. And we both ruled out the Atlanta Braves. And then you saw the run that they went on. Of course, you saw the Nationals in 2019. I just want to point out, if there's a Braves-type run this year, I think both of these teams are very capable of doing that because they have the pieces, they have the talent, and quite frankly, they're both built to be teams that should contend. Yeah, I I still expect both these teams to contend and, and be above 500. But as far as the rough start maybe leading to not being a playoff team, um, I think I'm, I'm more on the vodka would be the Red Sox there and the water would be the White Sox. Again, it depends how you put it, whereas I'm buying more of the, the Boston slow start. Boston has a 3-5-5 team ERA right now, which is kind of middle of the pack. Like I could actually still see that going down. And I get it. Like they have enough horses in that lineup that you would think, yes, they should be much better than the 23rd best OPS in the MLB. Um, but also I look at the White Sox and they're 26th and they should be better than that. Now they're in a situation where if guys don't come back healthy, then maybe they're not that much better than that. But I just view the avenue to figuring it out more based on, can you just get these guys back healthy and playing? And, and maybe that is kind of a losing proposition because you don't know if that's going to be the case and, and how healthy people will be. But I just view that as a more tangible difference that I can pick out. So uh, yeah, I think I think the White Sox maybe have it. Plus, they're in the AL Central again. Like that helps as opposed to Boston being in the East. So I, I think the White Sox have a better chance of uh, overcoming this. Nestor Cortez or Kyle Wright? Cortez was was pretty good in uh, kind of a limited sample last year. Kyle Wright, this is a breakout for him. Which of those pitchers would you give the vodka to, and which is water? I'm going to give the vodka to Kyle Wright. Uh, I do think Nestor Cortez is a pretty, you know, talented kid that should offer quite a bit of fantasy value that maybe we didn't see coming before. Uh, I had gone through some of his game logs and, uh, you know, he's logged to four and a third innings pitched five innings. He did have a six and a third inning pitch game, but uh, then he goes out and goes two innings. I actually, you know, he, he's still in progress as we speak uh, on the day of recording. Um, I don't know if it's somebody I necessarily buy for what we're getting face value right now. Um, I think that the whip is going to remain where it's at, which is pretty dang good at 0.85 at the time of recording. Uh, But to me, Kyle Wright is getting so much swing and miss, which is crazy versus Nestor Cortez's fastball velocity is in the bottom 5% of the league. And I feel like that catches up with you eventually just in the, the new era that we're in right now in baseball. Um, when you look at a guy like, like what we've seen so far from Wright, uh, everything on his savant page is just red all over. I mean, it's pretty unbelievable. The only thing uh, that you're seeing is the average exit velocity kind of in the middle of the road. That's what you're going to expect though. uh, When you get a guy that kind of throws harder in the uh, upper 75% in basketball velocity. Um, When you look at his game logs, it's a kind of a different story in my opinion, 
Um, granted, one of those matchups was against the Cincinnati Reds. That was his first matchup of the year. But he's gone deep in games, Derek. He's gone six innings, five innings once, six again, seven innings. I think that he's proven that he can go deep in games with the swing and miss, by the way, an 11K performance. That was against the Marlins, who may be light hitting, but still an 8K performance against the Cubs, who have shown that they can actually put the bat on the ball. I don't know. I, I really buy this guy. He was a top prospect at one point. Um, he just really wasn't putting it together, and I think he has. That's vodka to me. Yeah, maybe we shouldn't care about as much of the pedigree, but I do. And, and for that reason, I, I would agree with you with Kyle Wright being the vodka. And um, for Nestor Cortez, like, I mean, you're talking about a guy who, um, as you mentioned, doesn't throw like a super high velocity with his fastball. And he is literally the top of the entire MLB right now in strikeout percentage. Like that, that's just not going to continue. It's not. So if he goes down to being a guy who, you know, is, is more of his career average, which is about like, he's averaging 14.3 K per nine right now. If that goes back down to his career average around 10, then what does that do? All of a sudden he's still a good pitcher, but like, is he what he is now, which is, you know, a great pitcher and an all-star level pitcher. I don't think so. I think he's just a solid pitcher. Whereas with Kyle, right? Like I see what he's doing and I kind of think like, this guy be an all-star for, for years to come. I, I, I kind of do like you kind of have everything there. So I agree with you with uh, Kyle, Wright, And certainly a guy I would be trying to buy in uh, one year and dynasty leagues more likely to come back and win rookie of the year after their slow start, Julio Rodriguez or Bobby Witt jr. Who is the vodka and who is the water? Uh, the vodka is Julio Rodriguez to me, Bobby Witt jr has not impressed me really across the board at all. And the one thing I will say with Julio Rodriguez, he's got obvious speed and so does Witt Jr. Uh, but nine stolen bases to start the year is pretty unbelievable. He, he may actually lead the league in stolen bases, which is quite impressive. Um, on top of that, he has a really impressive hard hit rate. His max exit velocity is in the 95th percentile, hard hit rate at 87th percentile. He's swinging and missing. I think part of that is just simply adjusting to the league. And, you know, from this perspective, Julio Rodriguez is going to be given an opportunity, it seems like. The Mariners are rolling with this. They did that with Kellenic last year. And I think he's going to continue getting his opportunities. Uh, on top of that, you know, he's been hitting slightly better uh, recently. Um, I, I don't know. I kind of see this being a guy that can break out. Maybe he, he started the year. You know, you look at the date. April the 17th is what I'm going to target there. That's when the Astros faced the Mariners. That series was over at a 125 average, a 200 on base percentage and a 156 slugging. He's gotten those numbers almost double from that point in time uh, in the average category. He, his on base percentage went up 82 points from there since then. And then his slugging has gone up by over a hundred points. So progressively he's actually contributing to a much greater cause uh, same with OPS. It was at 356. It's now at 550. I, he's trending in the right direction for me. Bobby Wood Jr. is not doing the same thing. So I have seen this story before, Bobby Wood Jr. I'm going to go Bobby Wood. So um, in 2019, in the he played one game in June. So discounting that. Uh, he played 19 games in July in the minors. He hit 229 with 595 OPS. All of a sudden, fast forward to the next month in August, 17 games played, hits 280. He's up to a 729 OPS. Then last season, 2021, in the minors, starts off in May. It's 233. All of a sudden, June comes around, 
He hits 350. He hits 304 in July, 279 in August, 292 in September. But all the while, he's at a 792 OPS through May. Then it goes up over 1,000, and it's at 950 or higher in July, August, and September. He is a slow starter, and he figures it out. I think that's going to happen here again this year. If you have somebody who is souring even a little bit on Bobby Witt, it's still probably going to cost you a lot to go get him. Now's the time to do it in a dynasty league. A one-year league, I'm still not totally in on it because that's just not really my cup of tea with, with that type of thing. But in a dynasty league, if they're souring at all, buy low right now is the time to do it. And, and honestly, probably for either guy, if we're being completely honest. Okay, uh, next one and last one. Adam Simber winning Cy Young. He is currently 4-0, which he's tied for the league lead in wins, a 1.80 ERA, a .6 whip. He has four holds as well and one save. So, I mean, he's doing everything. That or the Cincinnati Reds finishing 500 or better. They're currently 3-16, and 16, which is the vodka and which is the water. You know, a better comparison here would be if the Reds could finish above 400. Uh, I don't even <laughs> think that they're they're even close to 500 in the realm of their existence right now. It's, it's pretty hard to believe. And the way that Simper is pitching – you know, it doesn't seem like that's the craziest thought anymore. He keeps leeching wins, but he is actually producing like across the board. So uh, the vodka is simber. Um, the Reds are terrible. Joey Votto commented on it the other day saying that it's just completely dis- disrespectful what they're doing to the organization. Like the way that they're playing has been atrocious. He's been awful. Um, the Reds are all kinds of messed up right now, and it's not looking like it's going to get any better. So, yeah, Adam Simber, he's my Siam. He gets the vodka. I do. I want to see a world where Adam Simber doesn't lose a game all year and he just keeps getting these, like, uh, wins. And he ends up, like, I don't know, let's say, like, 12-0 and 0 with, like, a, a sub-2 ERA. And he ends up with, in addition to 12-0, and 0, he gets, like, 20 holds and, like, 10 saves. I, I mean, he's not winning the Siam. That, that's not happening. But would he finish top 10? He, he, he finished could. Like 20? He could. I mean, 25? you've seen you've seen a reliever win a Cy Young before. You know, you saw Eric Gagne get it. So, I mean, like, it's not like it's out of the realm of possibilities. Uh, I believe – I'm actually looking it up as we speak. The most wins by a reliever in a single season is something that I'm curious about because what if he breaks that record? Does that count for anything um, at I this time? The most wins by a reliever in a season in the American League is 17 and 18 mm. in the National League. So, oh, what, so what many. If, but what if he does? I mean, he's at a rate right now where he would. <laughs> you know, he's at a rate right now, Derek, where he would win 24 games. So, you know, maybe maybe we're just crazy to think that he only gets 18. Maybe he gets 20, you know. Uh, I mean, realistically, if Simber gets 18 wins, he better get Cy Young Award candidate. Uh, nominations you know I, I mean who's to say who actually wins it we got to go through a whole season um, and see what goes down right now the way McGill is pitching holy cow that guy is underrated in that sense he's been dominating everybody no hitter on the day that we speak uh, helping combine for a no-no with the Mets but um, man I Simber has been kind of a bizarre situation but if he leeches 18 wins that almost deserves the Cy Young just because that's that's almost an impressive uh, kind of guy that just leeches onto other people's success. I, I kind of want to reward somebody that just leeches everybody else. All right, let's get on to our shotgun six-pack as we wrap things up here. Trevor Bauer got a two-year suspension. That is blank. I would say that is shocking. 
I did not expect the punishment to be that long. It basically completely negates the rest of his contract with the Dodgers. You know, I think the thing that I have a hard time with is you can't compare case to case with stuff like this. You just really can't. But the whole process has been bizarre because you had Marcelo Zuna, who, you know, now is back in the league and he didn't get any sort of backlash like what Bauer has gotten. I wonder if Bauer being the way that he has been being outspoken with commissioner, just the way that he's just kind of gone about his business differently and then adding this whole situation to that, how much of that actually played a role? I don't know if any. Uh, but it's shocking that two years was the punishment because, you know, he did walk away from court without actually being proven guilty. So that's the only thing that's the most I'll touch on that, but I'm a little shocked by it. Yeah. I'll say it is shocking. Honestly, I, 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 I mean, you see like Marcelo Zuna playing, I know it's, it's different situations and stuff that um, I, I was a little shocked by, by how long it was, especially when, you know, from, the court side of things, it, it seems like it's more, I don't know. I don't know if on the favor of Trevor Bauer side or clearing up, however you would determine, determine it, but uh, definitely very interesting. And, and yeah, how that affects the Dodgers is, is certainly going to be crazy as well. Uh, number two, true or false Yadier Molina stealing second is the greatest feat of this young MLB season, even more so than that. No hitter. That was tonight. Yeah. I mean, that no hitter was pretty dang cool. I'm going to say false. The coolest or the greatest feat wasn't a statistical feat for me. It was seeing Miles Straw, the most random player in the league, who's actually been pretty successful so far this year, climbing up a fence yelling at Yankees fans to stop throwing trash on the field. That took some serious guts. I, I, I don't think people realize how difficult that was. Yankees fans are ruthless and to go face to face yelling at them to stop doing that. And uh, there was also an incident that, that dealt with Stephen Kwan um, and he was backing up his guy. That was, that was pretty cool to watch. Um, totally something that you would not see in a stat sheet, but uh, to see him go face to face with like the, I mean, the rowdiest fans in all baseball and just not give an F at all was just unbelievable to watch. So I feel like Yadier Molina is being disrespected because um, <laughs> I was playing MLB The Show the other day. He has a zero speed. Um, he had three steals last year. I didn't realize that. He had three steals last year. He had six steals in 2019. Um, so I guess this isn't – yeah, this isn't even that crazy of a uh, thing to happen. So I'll say false. Uh, number three, if Adalberto Mondesi was a free agent today, coming – you know, now now we know he's, he's injured. He's out for the year, torn ACL. Um, he's been a guy who – has struggled avoiding injuries really for his entire career. How, how much does he get? What do you think the uh, free agency deal that he would get on the open market would be? Gosh, that's really tough because, you know, you're looking at that and thinking about Michael, Michael Conforto, right? I mean, the first thing that comes to your mind is the way that Scott Boris has handled the Michael Conforto situation and Conforto didn't even sign because he had to, and he felt the need to uh, get that surgery to basically get him at full health. So I'd almost say there's zero value to him right now until he gets that surgery, proves that he's healthy. He has not been successful in the league uh, for the last couple of years. Uh, open value, I, I guess when you look at it, he's still young. That, that is a tough question, Derek. I, I'm going to say he could still probably garner around 
eight to nine million dollars. I mean, that's the cost of most reclamation projects. You kind of saw that with a guy like Andrew Heaney, who wasn't particularly producing at a high level, and then the Dodgers took a flyer on him. But I could see Modesty almost getting like a one or two year deal. He would it almost be advised that he signs a one year deal worth like eight to nine, ten million dollars to try and kind of figure it out. Yeah, I would say it would definitely have to be a one-year deal. I, I don't even know if he'd get that much. I mean, you're talking about a guy with a career OPS of 687. He's had flashes, and he's still pretty young. I mean, this was his age 26, 27 season. Um, but he has not played outside of 2019 when he played 102 games. That's his career high, 102. He's not played more than 75 games. So, like, you, you have to be factoring that in. And he's coming off this injury. I, I almost wonder if he'd have to take like a five-year, $5 million deal, even less than that. Like, what if he got like a minor league deal and somebody was like, you just have to prove it and we hope you stay healthy. Like, I don't know. I, I think his value is uh, kind of tanked and it's unfortunate because he clearly has a lot of talent. Okay, number four, John Carlos Stanton became the seventh fastest player to reach 350 home runs in terms of by games played, 1,341 games. So over under 550 home runs for his career. He is uh, what, 31, 32 years old right now. He's 32 years old. I'm going to say I'm going to take the under. Uh, you almost wish that he would be Nelson Cruz 2.0, right? Like we have to have the guy that follows up and passes the torch, right? Uh, old guy to old guy that just hits absolute like monster bombs. I don't think that's Stanton. Um, Stanton's fun to watch, no doubt about that. But his injury history is the reason why that limited number of games is what it is. Uh, he's played 13 years uh, in baseball, you know? And so when you think about that, I mean, he's actually averaging basically 30-ish home runs, a little less than that, uh, based off what he's done so far. So I, to me, I don't think that you're going to see this become a 550. You may see him hit around 500, close to 500. I just, I don't think 550 is within reach. Well, it's, it's tough because like, if you rationalize it in your head and you say, let's say he does play till he's 40 or even 38 or something, which that might be a tall task for a guy who has had his injury history. Like maybe it's only four more years or something like that. But if he, if he does go to 38 or let's say 40, that's eight more years. And let's say the over under is 500 home runs. That'd be only be 150 more home runs over eight seasons, which is less than 20 years. Giancarlo Stanton, of course he's going to do that. Right. So I would agree with you. I think it's going to be the under the injuries. I think it will do him in and, and make him retire before he probably is 40 and not be one of those players who does go that long. Um, but it is interesting if he, in an alternate universe, you know, had better health risk. I, I guess that's the theme here with him and Adalberto Mondesi. Who knows? Maybe he's a guy that's contending for like 700 home runs or something like that. I, I will say this to, to your point, his contract with the Yankees he is a free agent at the end of the 2028 season. So theoretically, he would be retiring at age 38. So that gives him this season, 2023, all the way through 2028. That would be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven seasons to be able to get that done. It's not the hard, not the worst question to ask. I mean, really. Uh, so you do have a point there if that is actually what he fulfills. Number five, over under one and a half more MVPs for Mike Trout in his career. Under, there's too much young talent. Um, now, a lot of the young talent is in the American League. Mike Trout, though, is in competition with his own teammate, you know? And I think the next time Mike Trout has a chance to win an MVP, he's got to have his team make the playoffs. 
I feel like that's going to be some new added bonus to that. Um, and he's got to deal with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. being in the same, you know, AL as well. And uh, I, I don't know. I just I have a hard time seeing it happen when he's had the injury history that he's had. I, I'm going to have to probably say under for the best player still in baseball, in my opinion. If I gave you 0.5, what would you take? I'm going to probably still take the under. I think that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is really, really tough to match up against. Um, you're talking about a, a relatively healthy body that is Vlad Jr. and a guy that has the potential to hit 50-plus home runs versus Trout. He's in a lineup where he's protected better than he ever has been, but he also is in a body where he's been more injury-prone than probably ever before, and that's why I make that decision. So I would go over on the 0.5. I would go under on the one and a half. It's, it's really tough to win. I mean, he might win it this year, though. He, he is currently leading the American League in OPS, 1255. He's leading him in on-base percentage and slugging. He has as many strikeouts as walks. He's, he's back. Um, it's just, like you said, like, the, can he stay healthy? Um, but if he does, we talked about it earlier, Angels have been a surprise team. They're leading the AL West right now. If they make the playoffs and he leads the American League in, in OPS – I think it's kind of a done deal um, as long as he plays enough games. So uh, I'll say the over on point five, but the original question, one and a half, yeah, I'd probably go under. Okay, uh, number six, best condiment for a bratwurst is what? I had a bratwurst last night. It's Dijon mustard. Uh, there's, there's no other answer to me. Uh, you have to have that combo. And to be honest, I really want to go to a Brewers game for that one reason. I need to have the brats. Uh, in what's not Brewers or Miller Park anymore, which is ridiculous, but I still want to have it in what I consider in my heart to be Miller Park. Uh, that's an experience that I need to have. What, is it Dijon to you? Yeah, Dijon, any type of like, you know, hot, spicy mustard, something like that would be number one. Um, you know, I still think ketchup goes good with it. I, I put the mustard and the ketchup. If you have like some grilled onions, that goes on there well. Also, you know, I'm, I'm not a huge sauerkraut fan, but I've actually had some that have, have been pretty good that way. Um, but, yeah, the, the mustard's got to be number one. I like that. Okay, what beer? What beer has to mm. go with that? For me, it, this is uh, going all the way back to my good old study abroad days. Uh, I was in Germany, and I had a couple brats. And there's nothing better than a Hofbrauhaus house, just light ale. I think those are some of the best combos to have right there. And, oh. Wow, I'm dreaming of this now. Derek, why'd you do this to me? <laughs> well, I I'm hope this work, made man. you hungry. <laughs> I'm at work. Yeah. We quench, we, we do the opposite of quenching your hunger and your thirst here on uh, Booze and Baseball. That's going to do it for this episode, though. He's Dusty Baker. I'm Derek Johnson. We will uh, see you next time.